This isn't a Christmas episode, but it's coming out around the holidays. So from the Snow Day podcast crew to you, happy holidays. Les recorded a really great message last year that stuck with me. Uh, I thought it was really well said, and I'd like to play that again, and then we'll get on with the show. Hey there, Snow Day Pod listeners. This is Les recording a short message on behalf of the guys. For most of us, this time of year, the holiday season is a time of love and happiness and joy, and it really is the best time of the year. But for some people out there who suffer from depression or other mental health challenges, it can be a very difficult time, and in fact, it can be maybe the worst time of the year. So this is just a reminder from all of us here at Snow Day Pod to all of you listening that at this time of year, it's important to remember if you have anyone that falls into that category, whether it's a friend or a family member or a co-worker or a colleague, just remember to reach out, check in on them, send a text, give them a call, invite them over, drop by their house, make sure that they feel included and make sure that you're keeping tabs on them as well. Remember, people, we're all in this together, so let's try to help each other get through it. And that's it. From all of us at Snow Day Pod, have a very Merry Christmas. Snow Day, I'm hoping for a snow day. I want to sleep the day away. If we had a snow day, snow day, I'm hoping for a snow day. This is Season 2, Episode 4, Comfort Zone. I want to just shout out one thing from one of the other pods. I got a message from Jim Rudd, boys, saying that our punch-in-the-face stories were pitiful, that they were weak. <laughs> okay, that's probably because I wasn't on that podcast and you guys... <laughs> that's, that's probably true. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Do you want to quickly tell us the last time you were punched in the face? I hope it was by Jim Rudd. <laughs> you guys aren't going to believe this. Yeah, no, no, I, I got punched in the face on uh, September 7th this year, uh, in, like in uh, Winnipeg, Manitoba. That's all I'm going to say about that. I didn't really? tell you guys. Yeah, yeah, I got jumped. It's a good story. <laughs> so is Jim Rudd some badass blood sport motherfucker who gets into fights every weekend still? <laughs> like, what the hell? Why is he busting our balls? <laughs> who knows? He's in the Petersfield uh, bare knuckle circuit. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, he, he lived a bit of a checkered past. For sure, he's taken more punches in the face and handed out more than probably all of us put together. Uh, shout out to Jim. Hey, Jim. <laughs> don't punch me. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the disclaimer. This is going to be a little unprofessional. There's going to be some swearing. Some place between a locker room and a church gathering, nothing we'd be embarrassed to play for our kids or our parents. That's kind of the zone. If you can live with that, thanks for coming along. If not, thanks for giving it a try. Somebody to lean on. You just call lonely brother. Four friends trapped in a virtual living room by a virtual snowstorm. This is the Snow Day Podcast with Dr. George Alvarez. So if I've ever given money to people, I don't expect it back. And no one ever asks me, because you guys are pricks, uh, how I'm doing. The core leader, Stephen DeGroote. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead with how is his health? And uh, talk about that for a while and then borrow 10 grand. Entrepreneur and guy's son, Leslie Hansen. 
Steve will give you a hug. I'll give you a virtual hug, which I'm more comfortable with because I don't actually have to hug you. And me, I'm Bruce Krentz, the one they left behind. We should all get on some online yeah, game. Be good. We don't have the consoles. We don't have the knowledge. We can barely get a conference call organized, boys. How would four of us get together to play video games? Last, right after we, we sort of had the failed attempt with this pod, the one time you like fell off the grid absolutely for about three days. Uh, tell us what happened, man. Oh, I did. Yeah, I was violently ill for a couple of days. I, uh, I had my first, I think my first ever stomach flu and uh, was basically dead to the world for about 48 hours. Came out of my coma to about 50 missed texts from Krentz wondering where I was and what was going on with the pod. So I like that. <laughs> I felt loved. <laughs> he cares. He cares. It was. It was. I was becoming yeah. increasingly more agitated. Like I was about to try to find someone else in Toronto to go make sure you were still alive because I was just getting zero. <laughs> hey, Les. I like that. <laughs> was that just after I left? Uh, yeah, I guess you left on Monday, and it was uh, Thursday night. So I think I got it from you, George. If that's what you're asking, yeah. yes, I am blaming it on you. Well, wasn't that a big part of the podcast? You were talking about George being sick over Thanksgiving, uh, having the stomach flu, and then <laughs> yeah. he leaves immediately and you get it? Sounds pretty fishy to me. Sounds pretty fishy. <laughs> yeah. George, you're a traveling germ circus. Georgie, uh, quick check in with you. You were in Toronto with Lester. You sent me a picture for Studio O, which I couldn't be more excited about, an early Christmas gift. It's it's our article from the Citizen here in Thompson on, uh, what do you call that? It's, it's in a picture. It's like a poster that I can put up in the outhouse. So guys, we are we're going to achieve the highest place of honor in the whole Krentz estate. And that's a picture in the outhouse at uh, New Studio. Oh, I should do a pod from there. Thanks for that, Georgie. What else has been going on? Well, just as a bit of a follow up, I actually created four of them. So all four of us have it. When I was in Toronto, I gave it to Les, told Les not to disclose to you two guys. Then I mailed it to you, Bruce. You got it a few days ago, and I just literally gave it to Steve 48 hours ago. So I've been able to keep it a, like a surprise secret from all four of you. So it's my early Christmas present. I also like that the ad is still on the bottom of it from the, like it is the legit newspaper. There's a pizza ad or something on the bottom of it. Yeah, so interesting. <laughs> I called out the editor and he sent me the PDF file that they create the actual newsprint from. And then I got a dry mounted and I'm looking forward to my dump in studio Paint Lake and taking a look at it. Steve, as a check-in for you, and now you're in Calgary again. And from what I understand, punishingly hungover. Uh, last time it was Rick McKenzie's fault and yeah. Warren Urbanowski, Jeff Shaney. Yeah. Who do you have to blame this time? Uh, Warren Urbanowski and I were the two last men standing last night. Uh, again, we connected. There's five of us. We had a great time. Uh, started at Georgie's, went out. And Warren and I ended up at some place eating uh, enough Chinese food for eight people. Two egg rolls. One cup wonton soup. One chicken chow mein. Do you have lemon chicken? We have orange chicken. We don't have lemon. Oh, that Ooh. sounds good. Good. Let's go with the orange. And one order of ribs. We have the jalapeno pork. Oh, oh, that's good. just fine. Was it cheaper than a cab through McDonald's at four in the morning? I don't know. By the time I, I hear this place is really expensive. <laughs> I didn't dine in Dash. Um, but uh, by the time I got out, Warren had pick, picked up the tab. We were all taking turns throughout the night. So uh, he had covered it. So big shout out to Warren Urbanski. I tapped out at 2 a.m. I want to go home. And I knew they were going to go out and eat a ridiculous amount of food. And they went to this place called Shanghai Joe's. Very overpriced 
Chinese food. Because by that time at night <laughs> and in that condition, you're not really thinking of that. So, George, you went home on principle is what you're saying because you didn't want to pay for expensive Chinese food. <laughs> He let us know where he was going, though. He didn't pull a, didn't pull a phantom Matson. Shout out to Garth Matson. <laughs> Shout out insults. Hey, Garth, I hate you. Love you, too. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm going to wrap up the yeah. check. The, the checkup's got, got a wrap there. Uh, the only thing for me is this week it was colder in Thompson than it's ever been in Toronto. So I had to shoot less the link that they had in the Thompson Citizen here. Um, we had a like a mega cold snap. I know I think it rolled through Calgary too. It was really cold here. It was minus 38 one morning or something like that. And uh, apparently that's colder than it's ever been in Toronto. So I don't know if that's a, a badge of honor for us or if it just means give your head a shake and move. But um, that happened. This is why I live in Toronto, Bruce. So you moved on, brother. <laughs> uh, when I first threw this out, Steve, I didn't put this together, but you talked about personal space, and that's the first thing that came to mind. So I'm going to throw to you first. Uh, is personal space an issue? I know the answer to this. It's no, but I'm going to let you say it. Yeah. And uh, what does comfort zone mean to you, man? Yeah, I, I have no personal space bubble um, at all. And Georgie and I uh, demonstrated that last night at the, <laughs> the lounge to make a server feel very uncomfortable. And that'll save that for another podcast. Um, but yeah, you're, no, I think you know, I'm, you're going to get the, you're going to get the flu from Georgie. You know that. Yeah. Right? If I get that flu, Lester, when I land in Winnipeg tomorrow night, we're going to have to have a, an intervention or something. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't really work at the hospital in the critical care. He just works in the infectious <laughs> lab. So, no, no, I, I, I do believe that the whole comfort zone thing, I don't have a personal space bubble, and I'm pretty comfortable in most situations. Georgie and I were talking about this the other day, that we are not afraid to do anything if it has meaning or it's going to make someone laugh or it's going to do something like that. Um, so, yeah, so we're, uh, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable in most situations, except for when I am asked to be put on the spot. Like um, when someone says, hey, Steve, be funny, do that thing again. And everybody just waits and I'm not feeling like doing it, which is kind of ironic because a lot of people think they know me as I will do almost anything. Um, but it's those are the moments where I feel uh, uncomfortable. I just want to finish that story last night because it's actually pretty funny. <laughs> so this, this waitress gets on her knees because uh, that's the way she's taking our orders and we were being foolish and we were being apologetic about, you know, being drunk and, you know, loud. And she goes, oh, don't worry about it. Uh, I deal with like drunk guys all the time. And in that split second, I reach over and I grab Steve's cock while she's while she's talking to me. <laughs> and I don't I don't flinch. And you don't I'm just flinch. sitting there talking deadpan, to her. Deadpan. And I'm having a conversation. OK, that's that's good. Anyway. <laughs> So it was the perfect thing that George could have done without saying anything. Because she said the line to our group. She said, oh, I miss everything. Like, uh, I work with drunk guys all the time. And, <laughs> and George just, he did the perfect thing. It was awesome. You should have saw her face. She just stopped talking. She just started moving away slowly. <laughs> so in terms of what makes me uncomfortable, this actually, this happened because of less. Everybody knows who listens to the podcast. I'm a critical care doc, so I'm very, very comfortable talking about other people's health. And one of the things that I've noticed lately, and it happened with Alex, Les, and I, and it's happened with every one of my friends, 
is they get to a point and they realize, actually, George turns this switch when he talks about healthcare and he goes from this goofy guy to this really serious guy who will give me good advice and he's earnest about it. So one of the things that I've noticed from a comfort zone point of view is my comfort with other people's healthcare issues often make them very uncomfortable because they see me in a different light. So not to give the details of what Alex was asking me about, but she was asking me about something fairly personal and I gave her honest advice and I wanted her to feel good about it and she was very, very comfortable about it, but Les was not comfortable about her opening up to one of his good friends. So I don't know if Les had reflected on that. We actually haven't talked about it since I left Toronto a couple of weekends ago. So I don't have a lot of comfort issues because personally I'm a big personality like Steve less less than Steve professionally I have to be so open to make people feel comfortable about telling me ridiculously private things and they immediately trust me so personally and professionally I have to be super open so I'm in this weird situation in my life where I can't even be uncomfortable in any space Otherwise, people won't feel safe around me. Um, so that's the comment I have is I've noticed more and more lately people opening up to me and realizing that people around that conversation feel uncomfortable. Yeah, well, actually, George, I told Alex to have that conversation with you. Okay. So yeah. I don't think it's it's not that. I mean, maybe maybe I wasn't entirely comfortable listening in on the conversation between the two of you. I didn't need to be in the room. Maybe. <laughs> but uh, no, I actually said to her, you know, fuck, George is here this weekend. Why don't you talk to him about this? And she thought about it for a second. She's she's much more comfortable in pretty much all situations than I am. So she was she was fine with it. But uh, yeah, no, that's a that's a it's an interesting point, George, that's something that has probably developed with you over a long period of time. Yeah, I know. I just noticed you cringed when I took out my speculum about to do an exam and I thought, okay, unless you better leave the room. <laughs> it was the open mouth kissing during the exam that made Les uncomfortable. Yeah, none of that is getting on the Bloggers. <laughs> no kidding. What's, uh, what's inside and outside your comfort zone other than uh, what George just talked about? I, you know, I don't know. This is a, this is a tough one. This is a tough kind of topic for me to think about. Of the four of us, I think I am the one that definitely has some. I don't know if it's personal space issues, but I definitely like to have boundaries around my personal space, and I do not like them to be imposed upon. You know, we were talking just before we started recording. I think we were talking about how much I enjoy having a day at home alone with nobody else in my place. It's funny because you were, you were saying, Steve, you know, people always kind of expect you to be a larger than life presence. And then you're always comfortable doing that unless somebody specifically asks you to and then you're not comfortable. Yeah. You know, I think most people who come across me would describe me as a, a very extroverted, outgoing guy. But I have learned more and more over time that I absolutely uh, need downtime and cave time away from people. And, uh, and prefer that a lot of the time. You know, I don't know if it's a comfort thing or a, or a reality thing, but uh, it's definitely something I've learned about myself over time. Interesting one. Well, and, and when we talked about it a bit before, I'd said one of the surprising ones that I just put together was that I'm more comfortable, and I think, Steve, you said this too, in a group of women than in a group of men. Yeah. Which is kind of strange. And not that I'm like wickedly 
uncomfortable in either of those situations, but I, I find probably partly because of my job in the last 10 years when you're in healthcare, lots of times you're in a, a room full of women because that's just sort of the nature of the biz. But even at parties and stuff, I would be just as comfortable in the, in the kitchen with the ladies as in the uh, smoking room with the men. Does that, are you saying you're more comfortable or just more happy? Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know, that doesn't sound like a bad place to be. <laughs> Talking about and dealing with money is another comfort zone thing that I'm not as comfortable with as some other topics, which is funny. And, and I don't, it doesn't put a knot in the pit of my stomach, but I find that I just shy away from that just because I'm not, partly just not interested, I guess, but I think that's a little bit of a comfort zone thing too. Yeah, no, I just realized it hit me that I am uncomfortable accepting help. Like I will be the, you know, move furniture, like just do whatever to make people smile if somebody needs something. But it's just until recently that I realized, and that was part of my walk to Banff is I will say no when somebody offers me something as just a reaction. It's ridiculous. Yet mm -hmm. I'm the first to give as much of myself as possible. And that, that makes me uncomfortable accepting help from someone else. It's, it's so warped. No, I think that's kind of, I think that's a normal phenomenon though. I think it's pretty normal that, that we end up on pretty opposite sides of what we don't like to do. Like Steve, you're, you are not comfortable asking for help, but you will fall all over yourself to be the first guy to offer help. Mm-hmm. You're on extreme opposite sides of that equation. And I think that's actually actually pretty common. Yeah, I know. Well, yeah, yeah. George, coming back to what you said, how comfortable are you talking about your own health? Because now that I'm thinking about it, we spend a lot of time when you're in town. I fucking drive you crazy. I know asking you all sorts of questions, medical related questions. Um, that's just because I'm cheap and like to get free resources wherever I can get them. But I know I, I, I bug you all the time to talk about health related stuff, but we never talk about your health. That's true. How comfortable are you talking about your health? And no one ever asks me because you guys are pricks uh, how I'm doing. <laughs> oh my God, George, you're sitting right beside me. Oh, hi, George. <laughs> I have problems emptying my bowels and my bladder. Uh, guys, I want to talk about it right now. Steve will give you a hug. I'll give you a virtual hug, which I'm more comfortable with because I don't actually have to hug you. So that's an interesting point. I think Les does hit it right on the head because Les falls in the same spectrum as Steve. Unbelievably giving in his time, will do anything for his friends, except apparently pick me up at the airport. I always have to take an Uber now. Um, <laughs> So I think he's got a good point. You compensate for what you're uncomfortable with. I think that is a natural reaction. In terms of your specific question towards me, interesting, no one, no one talks to me about health, uh, probably because they are asking for help. I feel very comfortable talking about other people's health. Knock on wood, I come from a pretty healthy family. I have no present issues that I'm dealing with, so, it, it, there's not even a part of me that during that conversation will turn around and say, hey, it makes me kind of think about what I'm going through because I'm not going through anything right now. So it is interesting because I, I don't know. I guess one day when I talk about my health, I'll see how I feel about it. Yeah. Guess what but, I'm asking him about after the podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but to bring that uh, to Bruce's thing about money, I think that's something that goes for sure for all of us and maybe generational. Our parents never talked about money with us. 
it was always an extremely private conversation. We only talked about it in the house. Both my mom and dad always said, you don't talk about how much money you make. You don't ask about people how much money you make. You certainly never ask for money. And the best piece of advice I got from my dad, now that he's passed away, he says, lend money to your friends like you're never going to get back. So if I've ever given money to people, I don't expect it back. And that's part of that thing. I don't want money between me and you ever. If I give you a dollar, if I give you a thousand dollars, I don't want it back. And in my mind, it's over. I'm never getting it back. Never affects our friendship. I don't know how you guys feel about money. So I have two things to talk to George about after the podcast that <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to lead with how is his health? And uh, talk about that for a while, and then borrow ten grand. <laughs> I think George. I think George that that's um, that is a, again a pretty common phenomenon. Two two aspects of that. One, there's a pretty well described phenomenon wherein, um, as a person ages, becomes an adult, gets into their career, starts earning their own income and living um, without the support of their parents. Once you hit the uh, the ceiling, which was the ceiling above the socioeconomic place that your parents were and how you grew up, there's a comfort zone adjustment that has to take place. And a lot of people struggle. Like a lot of a lot of guys have trouble when they realize, fuck, I make more money than my dad ever made. And and it makes them uncomfortable. It makes them uncomfortable to be consumers in that bandwidth, to spend money, um, to, to let anyone see that they've actually outpaced what they grew up with. That's a, that's a pretty well-known phenomenon. And then I think the other thing that happens a lot too, you know, if you think back to when we were, we were all growing up, none of us had any money, so we were all equal. Then we got to college, we were all starving students, so we were all equal. Then we all start working at different times and different jobs and different paces and all of a sudden we're not equal anymore and it can be tricky like it's tricky you have to kind of balance a lot of things whenever there's an inequality it's not always comfortable to talk about and i think that's a, a big reason why we start why we stop talking about money all of a sudden it's like wow we're not all exactly the same anymore and that's kind of weird that makes me feel uncomfortable because we should all be equal we should all be you know, the same as we were when we were kids, but we're not. So, well, it's a great point lesson. I think the inequality, even to take that a step further uh, or to combine what you and George said, it gets even trickier because you don't know. Yeah. So if, if I know, if I know specifically that somebody makes more money or makes less money than me, then we can, we sort of have that understanding or we can work around it or something. But there's sometimes when you honestly don't know, so you don't know how to, how to act or how to talk or or how to kind of navigate that system. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's exactly what I was trying to describe. That's interesting. We're getting close to the end of the tomato timer. I, I want to throw out just kind of maybe the, the goofy or the funny comfort zone ones. I get to steal your thunder, George. Um, so I'm going to start with you, but I want your comments. We all know that dumps are super important to you, but where that actually takes place is a comfort zone issue for you, right? <laughs> yeah, everybody in my family is the same. My two sisters, my mom. I am most comfortable at home taking a dump. I realize it's almost a disability when I travel how uncomfortable I am. Like Les will tell you, I leave his house 
to go take a dump across the street at a coffee shop because now I feel more comfortable there. <laughs> and they know him because he visits They me. know me there. Hey, George. <laughs> it's actually a very nice French restaurant, too. It's not just a coffee shop. And I also know that less needs alone time. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. <laughs> yeah, so I hate that it's, it's the only thing I feel that's a crutch for me now is that I... I like going to the washroom in a very private space. Uh, there are people that just like our friend Les Jeff Bacon. I mean, he could take a dump in the middle of a like a concert. <laughs> He's so comfortable taking dumps. You know, I really envy him. <laughs> How's that? How's that for comfort zone? That, that's that's huge. I, I love Probably that making one. a lot of people feel uncomfortable right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. One of my one of my favorite questions to ask George is: Have you ever had to take a dump on an airplane? Ooh, have you, Georgie? <laughs> like I can't remember in twenty years taking a dump on any mode of transportation. <laughs> Pity the people in row 28 on yeah, that 727. I think, I think a lot of people appreciate that. Uh, Lester, you've touched on yours before. It's the hair. You want to you talk about that? Or, uh, or you got anything else that's a little quirky? <laughs> yeah, no, I'll toss that in because I know you guys all like to bug me about it. I don't like, you know, it's a personal space thing. I don't like having my head touched. I don't like having my hair touched. I've actually ended more than one relationship with otherwise fine women because they wouldn't stop running their fingers through my hair and I couldn't stand it. <laughs> it's very nice hair. <laughs> I, you know what? I just, I don't like people touching my head. And I don't know if it's, you know, you guys remember when we were little, I had really curly hair. I don't know if every, you know, everyone rubbed my head or something. I don't know what it was, but I just don't like it. And it, it at times is almost paralyzing because uh, I can, a lot of times I just cannot get my head around going to get my hair cut because I'm like, yeah, I just cannot think about someone standing and touching my head for half an hour today. It's just not going to happen. So <laughs> whenever you see me and, I, and I'm in obvious need of a haircut, you know it's just because I'm having a, I'm being pissy that month and I don't feel like having someone touch my head. So, so Les, I, you, you put a question to Georgie about his comfort zone. I was going to ask you, how hard is it for you to find somebody that you really trust to cut your hair then? Does that come into play? I've been going to the same barber for 17 years. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 17 years. Are you like the are you like Jack Nicholson in uh in as good as it gets like do you follow him around <laughs> have you paid him to stay in the country? <laughs> Pretty much, man. I've been through I've been with him through thick and thin and uh we're like family. Like we know each other's lives inside now. We're buddies, we're good friends now and but even even with all of that uh, some days, you know, I'm just like, yeah, no, I am not getting my hair cut today. Can't do it. Can't do it. I will sit there and feel like I can't breathe. And, uh, you know, I don't know if that's a comfort zone thing or George or Steve, one of you wants to diagnose me with a full neurosis there, but, uh, I have issues. I'll admit it. <laughs> oh, there's bigger ones. There's big ones. That's, that's small change. <laughs> there's bigger ones. Yeah. <laughs> Steve, what you got? You got a quirky one for us? You know, it might sound weird, but... It was surprising. I think I've learned that Les needs some downtime. That was, I think I've known that for a few more years than most people because we started spending time together. It's still a bit surprising, but I, here, here we go. I speak to a thousand people a month. I love it. You guys know I can't shut up sometimes. But sometimes when I get on a plane, I don't want to talk to anybody. Like I, <laughs> I just want to sit down, either read or write. When someone starts talking to me, it just really feels uncomfortable because all of me is like, this is me. This is what I do. But inside, I'm like, 
I don't want to talk to you. I'm like Bruce walking by in my head, that dog, and giving him the finger. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel terrible. Because it's like, it's not, I'm supposed to talk to them. I'm supposed to take care of them, so. Steve, I am so with you on that one. I have never talked to somebody on an airplane. Like, I will never speak to, if you, anyone out there listening, you bump into me in the airport, say hi, we'll chat, we get on the plane, I am not going to fucking talk to you. I'm just not, not going to happen. <laughs> Headphones on, we got to, we got to do a pod about travel because there's, a, there's, there's more to dig into on, uh, on that. And specifically, oh, yeah. Les, your tips for how to not talk to someone on a plane when they really want to talk to you. <laughs> Headphones. Oh, it's easy. They start talking to you. You just look at them and you give them the look that says, why are you fucking talking to me? <laughs> <laughs> So, or you put in headphones even when you have nothing playing. I do that a lot as yeah, well. Yeah. Pretend you're listening to something. Or, or, give, them, or give them the finger. Yeah, Bruce, what about you? Uh, you know what? I think the surprising one for me has been the high bridges. We, we talked about my little panic attack, but uh, <laughs> like high bridges, overpasses in big cities, stuff like that, driving on them. Um, I wouldn't call it exactly paralyzing, but it honestly puts a, puts a knot in the pit of my stomach, which surprises me a bit. The other little comfort zone one, when you're in a different zone, so being on the subway, we took the subway in Toronto um, one time when we were there, and we took it in New York as well. We we're at Grand Central Station, and um, just sort of being out of your element in that that huge hustle and bustle. Uh, it seems funny to me that that could feel so uncomfortable and scary where if I'm 20 minutes from anywhere out at Paint Lake, I'm just 100% comfortable. Even in the subway, you see little kids with their school bags and all of this stuff coming around. You know that it's not scary, but to me, that's a little uh, disconcerting. But probably that's just because I'm not, n- never go there, right? It's kind and of- you, and you're, you've reached the comfortable age in life where you just know what you like and what you want. Are you trying to say something less? <laughs> Quit coming and, and uh, invading my personal space so much, Steve. <laughs> Just kidding. You know I love you. <laughs> I know. I know you love me. The question is, when was the last time you played video games like you literally sat down in front of a console and played video games and this comes from two parts one of our mutual friends gerald charche actively plays video games like he loves it he wants to spend a whole afternoon playing with it and less and i always bug him like i don't want to fucking play video games <laughs> but after this pod is over steve megan and my kids are going to a rec room where they it's a it's a video arcade like we're gonna be able to play ping pong pinball machines it's a full arcade so if had we done this podcast tomorrow i would have said yesterday because <laughs> i can't remember the last time i played a video game so that's my question wow i'll go for you the last time i really played video games i think i could say was guitar hero so we have guitar hero in our house and um for a while murph and i well all the kids and i were on a pretty big run of playing guitar hero so if that counts as a video game then like four or five years ago i played a few little rounds of mario kart and and some of those kind of games with the kids but i would say the last time i like sat down to say i am going to play video games for a long time was probably in university and it was sim city on Jamie Shanks's computer, I was hooked <laughs> oh. on SimCity. Wow, that was a long time ago. That was a long time ago. I loved that game. The original, spent a lot of hours on that. Dabbled a little bit, probably once in a while. Um, you know, if somebody said, hey, let's play some NHL or some uh, NBA or something like that. But but the most memorable stand-up video game arcade experience, BJ's Roller Dome. You guys remember that place? Playing, wow. uh 
Pac- Pac-Man or Miss Pac-Man. Oh, holy I, shit. That's a shout out. I remember, Lester, you were pretty good at Miss Pac-Man. You had some skills. Yeah. yeah. Well, remember there was that one, uh, there was that Miss Pac-Man machine in the plaza that uh, that we used to play for hours and hours, Georgie. You remember that one? Yes. Pieces of Eight as well. Speaking yeah. of old video arcades oh, at Thompson. Wow. That goes before, that was before Fish and Fry. Fish and Fry. Holy smokes. <laughs> nice one. Well, Kirk Feggy owned Fish and Fries. That he was, he was, if I was the mayor of Sim City, he was the mayor of Fish and Fries for a while. And it was his birthday yesterday. So, what? Shout out to Kirk Feggy and uh, maybe yeah. too many dollars he Ooh. spent at Fish and Fry, but he was, he was a master for sure. Do, are, yeah. you, are you saying he actually owned that place, like as an adult, or are you just saying that he dominated? No, no. Carlo D'Andromadio's dad did, I think, but Feggie was there all oh. the time. Well, so was Alvarez. Alvarez was legend on a couple of games there. Hyper Olympics. Dig Dug and uh, Hyper Olympics. Yeah. <laughs> I created that tool to create, like I could run the 100 meter dash in 6.9 seconds. On your mark, get set. It was the it was the throat depressor. Before he was even a doctor, he was whittling throat depressors to uh, <laughs> yeah to cheat to hack a to hack a video game. Lester, you ever play video games? What's the last one? Well, home video games, no. Um, I think like I was just never a video game guy. Um, I played Rock Band a couple times. You were saying Guitar Hero, Bruce. I think I I went to a couple parties back when that was the thing, like maybe 10, 12 years ago or something. For a real home video game, I got to go further back. I don't know that I've ever played one since ColecoVision, <laughs> wow. which is going all the way back to 48 Dominion Bay when <laughs> my brother and I used to play ColecoVision. That's it. Like I just never, I was never a video game guy. In terms of stand-up video games, I will say um, it's become, become kind of a hipster bar thing to do here in Toronto to throw the old classic arcade games in the back of your bar. So every once in a while I come across them. And two, both times I've got kind of excited and you know spent $8 in quarters playing uh, video games in the last couple of years. We're both in homage to... Uh, to Jorge, because the first time I found a Dig Dug machine, which George oh. was absolute legend on at Fish and Fry back in the day, yeah. I, I made the girl I was with hang out and watch me play Dig Dug until I had gotten all five top scores on the screen so I could take a picture of it and send it to George. So it just said less, 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 <laughs> and all the, and all the high scores, because I was never able to do that when we played together. And then uh, did you have to well, unplug it to get that? <laughs> no, but I did. I did play for probably three hours. <laughs> and the other time was I, I actually last year I came across one of those Hyper Olympic games, George. On your mark, get set. And uh, I had so wow. much fun playing that, and was absolutely terrible at it. That's it. In homage to my boy George, who was the best video game player I uh, I ever witnessed growing up. Stevie, yeah. um, just before you go, how many times did you have a high score on one of those machines at the bowling alley? Remember they had those at the bowling alley? I dropped a few bucks in those. Galaga? Um, I was, you know, it was interesting. I was more of the pinball guy. Dave loved the the Miss Pac-Man and the, the Galaga and uh, all that stuff. I love the pinball. I love hearing that knock sound when you got a free game. Mm, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Like the real free game, not the you won a free game by accident um, with the match, <laughs> but you actually wrapped the uh, high score 
How about home video games? You play with the boys? We have we have every console here. I've I've lost track of what we all have in our house. It's ridiculous. Yeah, we of course I I've got a 16 year old going on three. You know I can't I can't make my joke going on three and a 19 year old going on uh, 90. But we play video games, so they got they got the PS4 and a couple other gaming stations. And one of the things Zane is phenomenal. I'd like to see him and Georgie go go at it. I would say two weeks ago. I played um, Gods of War, not Gods of War. It was um, Wizard of War. Anyway, I can't remember, but yeah, it was awesome. It's a it's a great way to connect with the boys. Uh, we play all the Lego, uh, like the Batman Lego, the Harry Potter Lego, Indiana Jones, Star Wars. So it's pretty cool. And uh, stand up video game. Again, it was with the boys. Uh, every every six weeks, we head to the um, to the Scotia Bank uh, Theater. And, uh, we will you know we'll do some stand up video games. And I'm stoked to go with G-Man tonight and his kids. Uh, it'll be a throwback. It'll be awesome. <laughs> One of the sad things here, I think, Steve, is Murph's a bit of a gamer, and he just lapped me. Like, he passed me by. He can't stand to play with me anymore because I'm so crappy at it, and he's actually pretty good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> the only time I can play with Zane is when we get a brand new game. So I've got about three hours of being close to him <laughs> and then it's devastation incorporated after that father-son moments that that are too fleeting yeah george you started it you finish it what do you got for us well thanks for you know admitting that i am a good gamer uh even when i was with steve a couple of months ago i started playing a game i've never played before and i beat ethan so I've always been really good at video games for some reason, and he was frustrated. Yeah. So the last time I played a video game actually was with oh, one of right, yeah. Steve's yeah. boys. But I'm going to go back to finish. I remember Steve dropping $90 to buy Asteroids because he was one of the first families that had Atari. Mm-hmm. He spent $90 in 1983. 82, yeah. which is like a thousand dollars now, yeah. just to give people perspective how expensive things were. And I remember spending hours and hours at the DeGroote clan playing Asteroids. Yeah. And if I didn't get a high score, I would turn off the game and then turn it back on again. And they would get mad at me. Okay. The boys would get so mad. <laughs> yeah, let's, 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 like, so this is, it's true. Every time George started to lose and get beat, he would reset. He would hit the reset button. Like there were some, there were some fisticuffs in in front of that TV in the basement, man. Because because I would be close to winning for you know, and Georgie would just reach over and like we had hair pulling. Like it was insane. It was insane. He's driven. And a little decathlon with Wong, or what? What was that game where you the t- oh was decathlon? Gosh. Summer Olympics. Yeah, yeah. Commodore sixty four. Commodore sixty four. Yeah. Commodore sixty four. little shout out to Donald Wong's mom. When we used to go to his house to play video games, his mom would always bring in glazed donuts from Safeway and feed us. Yeah. I know salted peanuts and mandarin oranges. <laughs> I loved it. Burned in your memory. We should all get on some online yeah, game. Be good. We don't have the consoles. We don't have the knowledge. We can barely get a conference call organized, boys. How the fuck would four of us get together to play video games? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to say it. I, was, I thought it was either going to be Bruce or Les. I going to hit up the technology difficulties of that one. Yeah. <laughs> Good question, Georgie. I love that uh, romp through memory lane, and you guys will have a blast with that. Play some uh, Wizard of War. Play some Dig Dug for us tonight. Yeah, yeah, we'll get some photos. For sure. Send, send a picture of you, all your name on the leaderboard on all five of them. 
Less sucks. Put that down. <laughs> All right. I think that's it. Anything else, boys? No, it was good, guys. It was it was great. It's good to be here with Georgie and good to connect with you guys again. Sounds good, boys. All right. Love you guys. See you later. Ciao. Thanks for listening. Rate, review us. Send us a message somehow. We're on a bunch of social media. We're at Snow Day Pod. Thanks, too, to Shannon B. Sun, the secret weapon.